Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 100, episode 2 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's share consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck Coke Industries and fuck Fox News. It's Tuesday, September 17th, 2019. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. What do I do with my hands? Not a clue. Do I put them in front or beside me? Lend me your fears and I'll pass you the bong. I will try not to freak out or flee. <laughs> oh, when I get high, I can't cope with my hands. Uh, that is courtesy of Wide Awake at 3.45 a.m. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Look at these AKs. It's Nickelback every day. Why did I get so high? Chad Kroger, yo, that's my guy. Wanna get a Mexi melt? Hot takes just under my belt. A hundred weeks of this show. Don't lie, you already know. <laughs> oh, oh man. Hannah Soltis, thank you so much, Hannah, for that. Nickelback inspired AKA. And I was saying we could do Nickelback this week. You know what? Also, uh, let's start also going into Lincoln Park territory. Oh, no. Because as if my voice You're really wasn't, showing off your taste in music. I just want to shriek. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm. uh, for the people who, who don't like the singing, uh, thank you for enduring it. Mm. But uh, this, is what it is. this is what the new show is. Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious and talented Kim Winder. Hello, guys. Welcome hey, back. Welcome back. Well, thank you for inviting me. Hey. It's a pleasure having you. Yeah. Um, it's been too long. Yes. It's been a little bit, but yeah. I've grown as a person. You've grown as a person. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm-hmm. How's, how's your comic doing? Um, It's going. Yes. It's going all right. Yeah. I have not improved technically, but <laughs> uh, the comedy, as you can see, is landing. I feel like, yeah. you know, and I don't want to take credit, but since you were on this podcast, I feel like on. I've seen Sorry. your work Everywhere. Yes. Oh no! Thank yeah, you for the totally huge bump. Blew you up. And if I don't get that same kind of bump this time this around, this time, yeah, well, well, you can come back we'll and burn talk, this place yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's yeah. the name of your comic? Uh, the Red Dot. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Go check it out, guys. Where can they find it? Well, oh, we're flipping this up. Okay. Well, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. The double underscore Red Dot. Okay. And then Double it, underscore. I know. Oh, Damn. somebody. Yeah. I'm still over it. here with my amateur ass single underscore. I'm I'm hyping it up. Yeah. <laughs> woo. Well, I think it's good for people to know because I think last time after the fact, people were like, "Wait, I know, I know that comic, and yeah. I didn't even realize that's who's here." Yeah, so yeah. that's who's here. That's who the you're genius. listening to. Hi, mom. Bow down. Yeah. Your mom is a huge fan of the Zeitgeist, right? You were saying, enormous fan. Uh, cool. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the way your, your eyes just went. Oh no! no. Definitely no. not. Yeah, she would have turned you. it off from the announcement at the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as would many moms. Well, we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment, Kim. First, we are gonna tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about today on this second episode from our hundredth season. Ugh. Can you believe? How do we do it? Congratulations! Oh, oh, really? Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, this is five hundred one. 
Uh, I don't know. It it doesn't break down perfectly like that because we've taken some days off here and there. Uh, and we do some uh, bonus episodes. We we'll do a recap. It's you know we're not. It's not about the numbers. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's about really, the fans. Right. it's about the fans. It's about the, it's about you guys. It's now about the I feel guests. like an ass for. Yeah. No, no. I think we feel worse because we don't even know our own output. Yeah. <laughs> no like, clue. Mm, I can give you a ballpark. I think maybe around five thousand. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> That's, That's good. Seems like five. 000. Not good at numbers. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about Seinfeld coming to Netflix. Oh, uh, we're wow. going to talk about Iran uh, and Saudi Arabia, the bombing of the oil fields. I did not catch up. Refinery, all the way. oil refinery, refinery plants. Uh, we're going to talk about that GM strike. Uh, we're going to talk about Kavanaugh's dick. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, there's something very vivid about this particular accusation where I can just like really picture it. Uh, anyways, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about an ex-Google employee who uh, has a really, I don't know, it's kind of a controversial take uh, saying killer robots could be bad. So Yeah. yeah. Well, mm. we'll see. I mean. Seem, Killing what? They seem nice to me. Uh, but first, Kim, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Well, um, recently I had to look up uh, womanizer charging issues, and you are both male, so I don't okay. think you know about uh, women sex toys as much. Is that the uh, one with the suction? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you're on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one that sucks the clit. It sucks the clit, yes, and then there's Sorry, a... Sorry, <laughs> I know a thing or two. The clitoral uh, function, as well as... They help you when you're a male who cannot satisfy a woman. <laughs> or, or they're away, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but these sex toys are getting, like, so advanced and so um, <clears throat> well made. <laughs> but they still have, like, these really crappy chargers where it's two metallic magnets that uh, connect to another that charges. But... I'm not putting a box inside me. I'm putting a spherical object. So right. it's hard to keep the charge. It always falls off. Wait, oh. so, oh, it's shaped in a way that isn't even conducive to properly charging? Yeah, so it slips off or you have to like set it just away for it to stick. And then sometimes it doesn't charge fully. And Got it, it. It's a pretty expensive toy, totally worth it. Right. But at the same time, when you have this charger, it just kind of defeats the purpose. And I was trying to find like- Hacks. Yeah, ways to do it. And I'll- <laughs> Honestly, all I found was women just ranting how stupid it is. Like, I paid 200 bucks and it's not charging. Well, 200 bucks, where's that on the, like, the price scale of what we're talking? Is that super high end? Is that Ferrari? Or is that like uh, Kia? I'm sure they go higher. But for me, that was the most expensive thing I've ever bought. And wait, so when you're talking about charging, like, in my mind, anything that's charging, typically it's like some kind of cable that you plug in or whatever. Yeah. But this is using some kind of contact charging, essentially. That it's, so it's there's nothing. It's a balancing act. Well, it still has a USB, but at the end is like this little sphere with the two magnets, and then you have your toy with the two magnets, and you have to position it to where it will stand because <sighs> it's too top strange. heavy. It will fall over. You're I paying know. Paying too much money, man, for this right. to happen. Yeah. Yeah. For $200, sort out the charging issues. Right. How long does a charge last for? Like, do, how um, frequently do you need to charge it? A lot. Yeah. No. <laughs> Constant. A lot because, you know, other, but Power about output. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, two hours right. or so. Oh, okay. So. I mean, it's also not one of those uh, devices that like, I don't know, you, you don't necessarily, you're not like constantly thinking about it and 
like thinking about it in a practical way, sometimes it's more of a need-based thing. Yeah. Right? It's not like I'm charging my phone every night. It's just right. when I want to use the toy and shit, right. it's not charged. Right. Well, exactly. if anyone from Womanizers R&D is listening, change uh, your name. you got a big problem here. Yeah, seriously. Also change your name. Yeah. Yeah, womanizer. Yeah, I was, I was at first like, when he said charging issues, like, about? is that like, is that a crime? Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to charge this I was, person. I was womanizer. thinking about toxic, toxic men. Yeah. Um, what is something you think is overrated? Okay, so you guys talked about this last week, but uh, white claw is overrated. Okay. Mm. Uh, I know there's a shortage going on in some places. Yeah. Yeah, and um. It's really just because they can't keep up with demand and the cost of the tin can. I know this because my hubs works in the industry and has a rep. And uh, they were Oh, and he and the tea was spilled to him. Yeah. I see. Also, it just tastes like watered down Kool-Aid. It's yeah. not great. It's deceptive. Yeah. Because the first time I had I was like, oh, I mean, I think I had two in a row for mm-hmm. the first my first claw experience. And I was like, the first one was like I drank it so quickly, I thought I was drinking seltzer, and then they had that alcohol aftertaste. Mm. But then at the end of the day, I was like, it almost takes the fun out of drinking alcohol because it seemed, it's so flavorless. But if you're just trying to get at it, I think right. that's I think that might be the X factor for people who just want to like, can't handle the taste of alcohol, but mm. just want to be drinking constantly. That's just so many calories because it's still like 100 calories. The taste isn't great. And then... I don't know. I'm left dissatisfied. Mm. And there's better seltzers out there, hard seltzers, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, some might even advertise on this show. We don't even know. Yeah. If you're out there, Could let be. us know. Maybe I'll give you a testimonial. It may happen. What do you do? You ever do you have a cocktail of choice? A cocktail? Yeah. An aviation or a black Manhattan. What's a yeah. black Manhattan? Ooh, it's whiskey, Angocera bitters, uh, orange. And I'm always missing one other thing. I should know because. My well, I guess what makes it different? Um, it has, it adds a extra level of booziness. Oh, okay. So it's Damn. a it's a nice uh, fall winter cocktail that you have to sip. You can't just down that. Right, right. You mm-hmm. have to respect it. Yeah. It's no wonder you don't fuck with White Claw because you're over here being like, I like dimensions of flavor. Like you're evoking seasons. I'm sure you think of a color story about like a cocktail even. Oh, I'm totally ruined. Yeah, I'm a yeah. snob. Well, I mean, but that was what's wrong with that. The finer things, as we say. Exactly. Now, are White Claws a thing that people order in a bar? Will you like... You can. You can. It depends on the place. Yeah, I guess so. I haven't seen it in a bar, but it's definitely at the liquor store closest to my house. Yeah. Because all people at that liquor store buy are tall cans of pre-made Micheladas, uh, the Clamato and Bud Light ones. Mm. They can't keep those on the shelf. And Blunt Wraps, which they can't (laughs) keep on the shelf, thanks to me. That, I I do see a lot of people buying the micheladas or whatever those uh the pre-made michelada yeah, yeah there's man there's so many now there's like one with Golden Road Brewery where it's mango cart plus the uh, the clamato it's it's like a, it's a, I don't know I don't know if the wave has quite reverberated outside of California mm. but I feel like more and more people like drinking micheladas I've never tried one really no do you like Bloody Marys. I do. Will you drink a savory cocktail? Yes. Then uh, this is like a very, you know, like an easy sipper of a basically Clamato or clam juice, tomato juice, mm. Mexican beer, maybe a little tahine on the rim. Maybe you put some Hugo Maggie in there to turn it up a little mm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's ways to do it. Like for me with cocktails, it's always I have to have a bartender make it because the canned 
seems so unreliable. Right, 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 right. Um, no, I much prefer a handmade Michelada versus yeah. like the canned ones. The canned ones out here are just too salty, and I'm like, my insides have been preserved. The That's what I'm drink. afraid of. Either too salty, too sweet, and I'm just going to be fucked up the next day. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not looking for your insides to be preserved. Mm-mm. That's usually Mm-mm. one of my top, one of the top considerations. Uh, also, shout out to the father of Twitter user Kendra. Uh, who said? Who oh, yeah. tweeted over the weekend? Super producer Anna Hosni shared this with the thread that my dad thought White Claws were just like Lacroix and has been drinking one every morning on his drive to work. <laughs> Left my ass off. Um, that's the thing, though, uh, that I heard somewhere that uh, in the South, like that was a thing people would do is like t- take a shot once in the morning and once at night, just to like get loose i guess what i don't know well that was the base of uh basis of the old-fashioned oh, was really? a morning cocktail because you were so hungover from the night before and right. you have your dead-end coal industry job so right. you had your old-fashioned which is a cheap uh way to make a cocktail and then you would just go about your day yeah so oh. good for your healthy nerves yes i've heard uh what is something you think is underrated uh, well, this other seltzer, I'm <laughs> um, Underrated? I'm going to say TikTok. TikTok um, is underrated. All right. Let's get into TikTok because well, I don't know what it is. Is that the kids? What's it? The new Vine? <laughs> Pretty. Well, It yeah. It's the new I mean, I kind that. of Vine. Yeah, musically. Right. Um, it was formerly Musical.ly. And then on Reddit, there's a subreddit, TikTok Cringe. And it, oh, no, I can those imagine are good. what's on there. It was a lot of furries, a lot of uh, lip syncing. Right. Just, but like really dark stuff sometimes, right? Yeah. yeah. Weird kind of. Or maybe I'm thinking of a Twitter that was like. There was a Twitter that got shut down. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But behind all that cringe, there is like gold. Magic, yeah. There is some really funny shit. At 3 a.m., I'm scrolling through laughing my ass off just because some of them are really, really funny. Yeah. So I think it's underrated because you hear so much of the cringe, but if you have the patience, there is some really funny stuff on there. Like intentionally funny? Like intentionally really talented funny. Oh, yeah. people. Yeah. Like really yeah. funny shit. Like really? really good comedy. Although uh, one thing I will say is I'm pretty sure they've scrubbed like all existence of any kind of Hong Kong protests from TikTok. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, which has been interesting. very interesting. But look, I mean, that's that's a separate issue. Who owns TikTok? Is it just like a company that sprung up in the Vine void? Um, no, who owns it? I mean, that's there's something. Question. Yeah, uh, Vine, like a lot of really talented comics and, you know, just funny people start out on Vine. So yeah. No, there's like the kinds of bits you will see. Um, it was owned Byte Dance, which is a Chinese company. So, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Um, the like some of the bits you see are so funny, like because they're playing around with videos that you think are going to be like, like, wow, amazing videos. So like it would be someone making a latte and putting like a, a heart shaped filter over the cup and like pouring foam through like this, like fill the shape or whatever. Right. And like when they reveal it, it's just a blob underneath. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, nailed it. Or there's another one where this woman was doing a bit where she was like, uh, had a water bottle in front of a coffee cup mm-hmm. and pours all the water into the coffee oh, cup and then takes a coffee cup and dumps it upside down and it's empty. But then when she stands up, water all over her crotch. <laughs> <laughs> so like, people are just doing like dumb shit like that too. I'm like, yes. That's, That's what makes Humor. it wonderful. And then you have uh, a function like duet where you can take someone's either super serious uh, 
TikTok and then just do a side by side and people like endlessly mock or somehow add to it. It's oh, really, great. really funny. So, I mean, the functionality is it just is like a more flexible, like almost like Instagram video. Yeah, just yeah. another video platform. Right, another video platform with cool functionality like the duet thing you just mentioned. Yeah, but it helps make good video content. Like it, like these other things just sort of like allow you to put uh, like right. uh, post video, but this is sort of like being like, look, you want to make a video? Like here's some tools to right. do it. Yeah, tons more tools than I think Vine ever had. Um, I never was on Vine. Like, I, I was very in... briefly. Okay. But not in like a, I maybe posted three things and they didn't go anywhere and I was very discouraged. <laughs> I have spent a lot of time on YouTube just watching Thomas Sanders Vine. Mm. The... Um, he does a great Stewie Griffin impersonation, oh, really? mm. and then a lot of just uh, optimistic, dark. He's funny. He's on Got Instagram it. now, not yeah. on TikTok. Oh, you had me at Stewie Griffin impression. He's <laughs> really good. That's all Jack shares with people. Uh, in our text thread. <laughs> what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Um. Okay, so I had like three I was debating on, and I guess I'm just gonna call it now. I think sending nudes over the internet is not a bad thing. Okay. Um, obviously, when you do it, it's going to have the potential to get out publicly right. to the person that you didn't attend. We live in an age now where dating is not just in your social circle, not at your community. It could be someone across the country. Mm. And if you don't see each other a lot, you're still allowed to be intimate and sexual. Right. But if you're going to send a nude, you might as well just take the precautions Keep your face out of it. Keep any tattoos out of it. Just be uh, smart. Yeah. And if you're under 18, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, I feel like Euphoria was all built on people weaponizing the distribution of child porn against each other. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, did you watch Euphoria? No, I still Oh, okay. It. Yeah. There are like moments where they're like, and I'll get you for distributing child porn like right. to like other minors. And you're like, wow. Uh, okay. Huh. Uh, but yeah, I think... There is like a lot of people because a lot of the backlash tends to come from older people who would never mm -hmm. themselves imagine ha that happening. But it's like also it's like to an older person, like, have you been so horny right. that you yeah. had to send your nude body across the, the, the Internet to right. get some kind of feeling back? Right. Yeah. Well, I just that. I see a lot of girls especially just feel like uh, my ex-boyfriend is threatening to share, which obviously that guy is a cunt. Um, right. But. She has to apologize for doing it in the first place. Like, sweetie, you're allowed to be sexual. Like, right. I'm I'm sorry you were with this jerk, but you're not wrong in wanting to be sexual with your partner. Right. So I just stop apologizing. Send nudes. Just I, be over 18. Yeah, I feel like it should be if somebody's threatening to do that, like outing them for threatening to do that should be the actually damaging part, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't there, aren't there like laws that are being put into revenge slowly. porn? Revenge porn yeah, yeah. slowly. Yeah. Because like, they have to like really articulate a whole, you know, vocabulary around it to be, right. to like properly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, people love to moralize about shit that they never even had the option to make a decision about. So yeah, older people are going to be like, well, I never did that. And it's like, well, yeah, because you would have had to fucking get a VHS tape and like ship it across the country. <laughs> a Betamax. Right. Oh, man. Back, we used to just do sketches of ourselves. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Titanic. Yeah. 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 That was nude. That was Could you imagine? Hell, man. 
Yeah, or like just classical sculptures. Like if those are really like those are actually nudes, those right. aren't art pieces. Like right. that's just how those people got down. Yeah, I mean, 3D when you think nudes. about it, yeah. like that's exactly what they were. It's just because they're so removed from any uh, distinguishing features. Like mm-hmm. some of them have the head taken off, like yeah. the Venus de Milo. <laughs> oh, that's right. And they're so. hard all the time. Right. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Although even though we're talking about with Eric Lampere, the look, the reason some of the penises are small because there's an adrenaline rush. Right. Happening. Not that's just. David. Or maybe just David. Yeah. I heard uh, that um, back in like Greek Roman times, I could be off, but having a smaller penis meant you were smarter, like you were less brutish. Yeah, I believe that. That sounds probably right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's physiologically the that's truth. That's pretty spot on right. from how I would see. What was the reason they had? Uh, it just means that you're you're more right, intellectually right, right, sound. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah, I remember reading a... Very intellectually sound. Like something like that, and they had a quote from a um, like a Greek writer that was like, his beautiful small pecker, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. That was like seen as like a manly, awesome thing to have a little, little wiener. All right. All right. Well, we are off to a fucking great start. <laughs> Learning something new already. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. And a Saudi oil refinery got bombed by a drone. Few drones. Few drones. And uh, it was apparently a very successful bombing because it threatened 20% of their oil output. Yeah, it's huge. Wow. I yeah. think it's one of their largest refineries, if not the largest one. Right. Um, but I think, you know, again, uh, it just kicked off the who done it. Right. Where you have uh, on one side in the U.S. just out of nowhere, being like, yeah, it was probably Iran. Right. Even in Saudi Arabia, they're like, well, we're still like we're still looking at it. Could be obviously it's an, uh, having like the rebels in Yemen are the ones saying like, right. it Some was Houthi them. rebels. And yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's also just again, we've uh, right when John Bolton leaves. You yeah. Know, I feel bad. He was this. This would have been right up his alley to start banging the war drums again, doing right. a sick solo on the war drums. Um, but you know, I think as, as things develop, we'll see what happens. I think like anything, if the Pentagon has information or intelligence that actually confirms who it was, they're very quick to try and shove that in people's faces. Right. Uh, Cause I remember when like Nikki Haley back in the day was like holding up pieces of like missiles or bombs or, or fragments was like, see, it says right here, it's stamped made in Iran. So it has to be Iran. So I right. think we have to go to war. Like it was like, whoa, whoa, easy, easy, easy. Right. I mean, even the some of the more recent reporting on this is saying that uh, Tehran uh, arms these Houthi rebels. So if it is them, Iran is like at least partially responsible. But it, it just seems like I don't know. Is that that's not really a one to one well relationship? Yeah, and also I mean let's be real. Like we're we're backing Saudi Arabia like in the middle of a humanitarian crisis that's happening in Yemen and like right. we're constantly on the wrong side of fucking everything right now. Right. So uh, this is just another moment too where like even with what Trump was like tweeting was essentially kind of like well whatever we'll see what the Saudi Arabians say and then based off of that we'll attack whoever they, we, they think it is kind of essentially. Right. Uh, which was sort of the gist of his tweet I think was where he says but we're waiting to hear back from the kingdom as to who they believe was the cause of this attack and under what terms we would proceed. 
And which I mean, is odd because yeah. it's like saying like, hi, uh, MBS, like just point yeah. and we'll shoot. Yeah, exactly. Or and if you can't trust can Saudi Arabia, like who can we trust, right? <laughs> oh boy. They're, who they can we like trust? Good people, right? Maybe John Bolton changed teams. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he still wants to have his like special where he gets to talk all this shit about Trump, but I don't know if anyone wants him. Wait, but, does he have a special coming up? No, or? but I mean, like, just when we were talking about how he got fired, how he was basically, like, every all the reporters in D.C. were like, he's really pissed off yeah. and wants to have his moment to tell everybody how bad he yeah. thinks Trump is, but we've yet to see that happen quite yet. That's amazing that a guy who has that mustache would be that upset about how something made him look, like, yeah. he's that image conscious. Well, yeah, the one interesting thing was seeing uh, Tulsi Gabbard yeah just came said trump awaits and so trump was talking about basically what you just said that he's waiting for uh saudi arabia's take and she said trump awaits instructions from his saudi masters having our country act as saudi arabia's bitch is not america first uh so we damn we'll see Uh what he does with that one we will but i mean yeah again it's we'll see what kind of talks they're going to have i mean before it seemed like he was willing to trump was willing to have uh condition or no conditions uh talks with iran and other people have said it numerous times and now suddenly it's like saying like the media is saying that i would meet with iran with no conditions oh that's that's wrong that's wrong that's right but it's my man you're gonna have to meet with these people if you want to avoid some kind of you know terrible terrible catastrophic armed conflict right can meet these hands is what Trump's saying. <laughs> uh, these little hands. Meet these tiny hands. Yeah, and also I I do like how spicy the Democratic candidates are getting. Like like we were talking about after the uh, debate, Kamala Harris being just like, "Fuck you, man!" Like, when uh, just how she was talking about uh, Trump. Oh. Like she was just basically wanted to get him to respond, and now. Tulsi Gabbard like I feel like there's a race to try and get him to engage with one of the Democratic candidates but um, I think he has explicit instructions like don't give free press to anyone away. yeah that's the only time he'll listen to the aides because right. it keeps the focus on him and not help right. any of them yeah it's free press can't give it away Although he gave uh, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend some free right. press. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I guess if you're not running for president, then maybe he can see the value in that. Right. Although all it's going to take is one more poll and he's going to be like Pocahontas and yeah. Wacky Bernie or whatever the fuck he calls him. I think he does talk shit about Biden because I think he, was... he already recognizes that he's like the presumptive nominee. Yeah. Right. But he slowly started to, his gaze has shifted towards Elizabeth Warren too. Yeah. Eh, but anyway. It all depends on the day. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's talk about the GM strike. It's the biggest strike, biggest uh, U.S. labor stoppage since 2007, the last time GM struck uh, or striked. I don't know which one is the past tense. I don't remember. I was asking people in the office if they remembered that strike being a huge news story because this one feels like it's being covered as a as a huge news story which i think it is and the teacher strike last year was covered as a big news story and i'm just wondering if there is uh a slightly more labor friendly kind of underpinning to the mainstream news cycle i wonder if because it was sort of fallout from the 2008 financial crisis right they were getting bailed out that 
they probably didn't want as many stories about how that actually it was like corporate welfare. Right. Because I feel like a lot of from my drug addled memory from back then, it was seemed like a lot of it was talking about like how we need to save these companies. Right. Like we really we don't want to bail them out. But if we don't, it's really going to take a hit to like one of the biggest industries in the country, the automotive sector or whatever. Right. And it wasn't so much of like. Uh, we're just letting them completely fuck up and we're bailing them out. I mean, I think a lot of progressive news outlets were like that, but I think the story was more like, guys, we gotta we gotta save the banks and, right. and, and GM. I think yeah. the way of the uh, collective thinking has shifted because back in 2007, 2008, it's like, let's save the companies because that has the people. But right. now right. we're really focused on the people instead of the companies, yeah. which is, I think, a great step forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, Probably the media is at least partially taking its cues from Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, like polling as strongly as they're polling, despite the fact that they're, you know, not the traditional candidates that the media would cover. So at least they have to take into account that, you know, there seems to be more general support among the general public for these more kind of worker-friendly, labor-friendly policies. Well, yeah. And I think, again, it's just a a function of the the way the economy is moving and working people getting fucked over consistently. And now we're slowly, I think, entering an era where people are beginning to make sense of, like, who the perpetrators are. And now it's being more like, oh, right, yeah, unions, yes, good, help each other, work, live better together. And now we're looking at... Because I think a lot of it, too, is they they think they were promised raises during the financial crisis. Right. And they're like, yo, we still have not fucking see- like what what happened there? Right. Like y'all got bailed out and nothing has happened. Nothing has improved for the workers. And the amount that they've moved on the contract is like the, they said something like two percent of the contract has been negotiated. Right. And only, there's ninety eight percent of it. And there's just been a lot of foot dragging. So, yeah, I mean, God, I mean, f- do what you got to do. Yeah, speak out, stand up. You don't, you're working for them. It's a partnership, not you're indebted to them for your job. Yeah, yeah. But sadly, I think still companies all look at their employees like that, right? It's just sort of like, yes, how much can I get out of you? Well, it's time for a fucking change. Like, go GM workers. I support you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I mean, you know, just, Back to the more general, like, zeitgeist vibe of uh, the country, you know it's uh, there's a change when uh, CEOs are actually changing uh, to be more, like, worker-friendly and employee-friendly, uh, at least in, like, what they're saying. Uh, Jamie Dimon and a group of CEOs are basically challenging other CEOs to change their the governing principle of corporate America to be less uh, profit and share price focused and more like holistically focused. And this is a story that I was covered in like the New York Times and the New Yorker, the, the fact that CEOs are doing this. And I don't necessarily trust it as far as I can spit, but it Definitely, at least this change to the zeitgeist is being observed by them. You know, they're not going to say that they're uh, (laughs) they're not going to like change the core principle of their operating procedure if unless they really think it endangers their 
future profits well, yeah, to clearly, not do that. Yeah, Jamie Dimon as the head of J.P. Morgan Chase. Right. He's probably seeing some things in the forecasts. Yeah. That might suggest that you're dealing with a consumer base who, like, you're trying to get to buy more shit, but realizing their wages are stagnant. Yeah. And they're like the uh, ability to accumulate wealth is not is nearly impossible for younger generations. So yeah, like at at, at a certain point, I feel like just in terms of a business, the you need to begin to pivot. But I don't know if that's, again, Jamie Dimon said some other thing earlier this year, but I was like, really, Jamie Dimon? Yeah. But again, talk is nice, but I'm curious to see like what functionally that right. actually means. Like, are they going to incentivize? I don't know. What what, 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 yeah, are, we, need what are we doing here? What's, what's really changes. good, Jamie? Yeah. I would see like they're testing it. Like, can we get away with just saying good shit and will they be quiet? I'm sure. Like, It'll buy you two months. Yeah. And then they're slowly going to have to accept it because suppressing it is not going to work anymore. It's just we're at a phase where people are going into adulthood with debt from school. Yeah. You yeah. can't buy a house. You can't do anything. Anymore. That's what it was, I think, is what Jamie Dimon was talking about where he was like, they got to we got to deal with their debt or they're not going to be able to buy stuff that we sell essentially it's true but yeah. i guess that's more of just a very logical thing of like mm-hmm. look y'all if, they, if we need if they need money in their pockets to give back to us then we need to sort of cancel some of this debt out yeah the new york times piece that i read these ceos talking about was kind of giving a general history about how this is the most that any ceos and business leaders have most attention they've paid to workers since the 70s. And like they explained the way that it got this way was during the 80s, uh, a bunch of CEOs, like I had always heard the term corporate raiders, but apparently there were these like hostile takeovers where CEOs would come in and basically say, this current CEO is like giving away too many benefits and like we're gonna strip it down to the bare minimum. And so CEOs became afraid of having like hostile takeovers of their companies. So like the organizing principle of like CEOs became like to make it as shrewdly profit driven as possible. And that's sort of the uh, period we we're still in up until right now. But the New Yorker piece that it was a part of uh, started off looking at this like corporate retreat where like all these people, it's the thing from the end of Mad Men, if you've seen that, where like everybody's uh, meditating but they're all like Fortune 500 CEOs and shit. And they're all just like, it's like this blending of like new age wisdom and shit oh. and like the corporate. And predatory capitalism. Like, yeah, right? predatory capitalism. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, it's this exclusive place, like corporate retreat or something. I think, I can't remember the show. Tobias is on it. He has a hook. Arrested, uh, Arrested, Arrested Development. Yeah. I think they had something like that too, where the dad tried to do a new age cult retreat out um on the border of Mexico with his right. twin. Yeah. So kind of poking fun. The sweat lot. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. That was great. Um, yeah. Oh man. I, it's funny again. I think like you're saying, right. There's, this is, we're be hopefully like, slowly getting into an era where people are looking upward right. class wise yes. as an explanation for why they have little right. rather than down or to the margins of society. And I think that's why now, I think maybe that's the heat CEOs are feeling like, some guy said I was evil. (laughs) Right. Just for being a billionaire. It's really weird. I I worked hard for this money. Right. And not understanding, it's like, I guess numerically now, more and more like these people are going to be viewed as like the real fucking pariahs, or at least to a group of people who are engaged enough in understanding like 
the nuances of our economy and things like that. But maybe that's the thing they're also trying to do a little PR spin because if I was at that level, you would think like, when did the pitchforks come out? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then like, did I say enough that like maybe I can like they'll remember that I was one of the good billionaires. Right. That was like kind of on their side, but also took everything they had. I don't know. Yeah. For sure the the thing that's weird is not that these CEOs are having a crisis of conscience. It's the 30 years that preceded it where CEOs were just raiding and, you know, tr- mistreating their workers to uh, increase their share prices, but uh, it's still, you know, at least progress from within, or it can look like hopefully. progress from within. Hopefully. Yeah, well, then look, yeah. we got a, you know, maybe a, an election. Sure. Election can begin begin some kind of shift there. Right. Uh, all right. Let's speak briefly about uh, Justice Kavanaugh, Brett. Yeah. Uh, what a guy. What a guy. So the New York Times dropped a new report that involves another incident that had been brought to the attention of the FBI and kind of totally discarded. Yeah, not publicly known. I mean, so during his confirmation, right, uh, Christine Blasey Ford's uh, testimony was the focal point of sort of like, oh, this is the example of why Brett Kavanaugh should probably not be anywhere near a court. Yes. Unless he's uh, in the defendant's seat. And there, I think once that happened, I remember the weekend before, then there was another allegation that came out from this woman, Deborah Ramirez. Right. Um, and the FBI is like, all right, well, hold on, hold on a second. Fine. Right. We'll look into this for a couple of days. And then we'll say we're quote unquote investigating so we can give cover to Jeff Flake and Susan Collins, who's going to get this fucking guy through. Right. Because that's really the end game everyone was looking for. Um so that was sort of like how things had left or ended. But now we're finding out that there was another classmate of Brett Kavanaugh's. This guy uh, went through Chris Coons and the FBI to be like at a party at Yale. He put his genitals like thrusted his genitals into the hand Whoa. of a passed out uh, uh, another classmate of theirs. Miles, now what you oh are boy. missing, what you're leaving out is that his friends pushed his genitals into her hand. Is that, who says that? Who's, that's, this is the, that's the story actually, but that's the thing that conservatives are like seizing on and they're like, so he was the victim because they pushed his genitals. Like he was this unwilling person. So who they had, he was just at a party with, with his, his dick, dick out. out just <laughs> as one cash. does at Yale. Yeah, right. you just do it. Yeah. And how dare they grab his penis and right. force it into another hand? Just poor were they Kavanaugh. really? So were I? I know I was joking earlier when we were talking about it about being like I feel like I think they need to find out who those guys were. Yeah, that's what Ben Shapiro was saying. Course, he was like, yeah. I mean, it's I mean that's basically sexual assault on on their part. Uh, it's just a bad faith argument. How the where fuck they're... do you make Brett Kavanaugh a victim? Like just by hearing it. Actually, no. Actually, Brett Kavanaugh has been the victim this whole time. Yeah. But I guess that's how the logic works of the, that party. I want to know if his dick was hard in the guy's hand. Wow. <laughs> that's a good You'll question. never know. And yeah. that's mm. sick because Justice Kavanaugh, <laughs> is a, he's a good stand, upstanding Catholic His penis was coach. hard. He enjoyed it. Right. And it's no. Yeah. The, the, I mean, this whole thing, right? It's just bringing back to light how fucked up that whole confirmation process was. Yeah. Because it was clear Fucking anybody who wasn't so gassed up on GOP propaganda that Brett Kavanaugh did not even have the fucking temperament to be a fucking toll booth operator. Like he was just he was very upset, very angry. Everyone knew he was lying under oath. He unequivocally said, I have never blacked out 
Right. Like, I don't black out ever. He was Mr. Blackout during high school and college. Right. Everyone yeah. were like, mm, no, that's he not right. changed the definition of a devil's triangle. Right. That's how fucked up it's it was. It's a drinking was. game. Right. Where? Where you, two guys have sex with a woman. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Then again, and so now I think because of that too oh another thing is i think the doj gave like some in just like one of the highest recognition like awards to the team of lawyers who got his confirmation through oh, well really? done yes. on shady work boys yeah, no, well seriously. done and if you look at too like how the fbi did pretty much nothing they sat on their hands now you know a lot of uh dems and especially uh 2020 candidates are like we need to impeach justice kavanaugh Right. We need to have an investigation into what the fuck that investigation was because yeah. it was not an investigation. Um, and it's kind of bringing this whole thing back. But I think when you look at just the mechanics of it, I know we there are a lot of people calling for his impeachment. I think he absolutely needs to be removed from being a Supreme Court justice or probably just judge in general. Um, but it's the same thing as with the president, right? Like it, the impeachment for removing a, a Supreme Court justice is it'll go to the House if it gets out to the House, then it's off to the Senate for the trial, and then they need a two-thirds majority to remove him. But right. the the numbers aren't there for something like that. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Isn't Mrs. Ford still in hiding because of death threats? I believe so. Yeah, I, think, I don't yeah. think things have improved much. For out her. of all of that, that just enrages me even more. Just Yeah, she, it's like watching... like old history where like the bad guys win and you're just like god that must have been so brutal like it's happening in front of us like now like it's just beyond words for me that this woman obviously put herself on the line in front of the entire Everything. country yeah. like detailing her sexual assault and yet the bad guy wins and she's in hiding because people want to murder her for speaking because, what the fuck right. is this country if you can't talk right. like number one amendment I just, oh, I get, I'm so mad about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and, and again, I think too, and the people who are rah-rahing it from the sidelines are the people who like just want the kind of Supreme Court justice that will slowly dismantle the federal government, essentially, or like take away a lot of programs that support people. Because, you know, you have all your fucking, your Koch brother type people, like, you know, working to get these kinds of Supreme Court justices in mm -hmm. to help these major decisions that fundamentally change the laws in this country to go in their favor. Um, and again, I mean, look, if it can help motivate people to vote uh, for a Democrat in 2020, then sure, like you can talk about this. But I think it's hard to un it's hard to figure out how this could possibly happen, because historically, it's just been very, very difficult. And I don't I'm not sure if has like a Supreme Court justice been removed, maybe in like the 1800s or something. Yeah, they tried to impeach a Supreme Court justice because uh, he was like blatantly like weighing in on partisan stuff but even then like it ended up not happening i think vox was writing that you could remove a judge from office office without resorting to impeachment uh or driving them out to the woods and yelling at them to go home like in harry and the hendersons uh <laughs> like there's apparently it says that you a judge shall hold their offices during good behavior. Right. And they think that the term good behavior would have been understood to have legal implications at the time. Congress could impeach over treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, uh, but also like good behavior. Right, meaning that there are many other things, because they're pointing to like other judges who have been stripped of their uh 
bench duties right uh from like taking bribes or other things like that right um but what's funny is like that that paper about good behavior was written by these two law professors who you're like oh hell yeah man these like progressive like legal right. scholars looking yeah. into it one of them was a law clerk to clarence thomas yeah and the other was uh just a Frequent contributor, like libertarian conservative think tank, like right. op-ed writer. So it's funny because even though you'd think this was like laying the groundwork for a liberal victory, like this was just another, this was from the coming from the right of even examining the constitution, understanding like, oh, is that, you know, is, is that possible? Well, because the right is the insurgency. Like they've like had an insurgent mentality because they have, you know, a, a far smaller uh, base of voters. So they're, they have to use just horrible trickery and, you know, just conniving shit like this. And it's good that more liberal institutions are even like thinking about stuff like this, about using things like this. But the Democratic Party is lags way behind on this shit. Like they won't even impeach the president when he committed high crimes and felonies in a report his own executive branch ordered. Like, so are they going to use this very uh, kind of circuitous route to try and get Kavanaugh out of office. I doubt it. I don't know why the Democrats are so hesitant on making change in progression, because last time I would really say the 60s with the civil rights, like we kind of threw shit out the window and just did it and right. it was for the better. Why are we so complacent on holding it how it is? We're not going to get anywhere, especially when the right wants to play dirty yeah um, well i think you have less and less people who are you know i mean like they say politics politics but there i think there are even less people who are in office now who actually care fundamentally about like the well-being of the country or the democracy or anything it's like it's a job i happen to be like a really savvy business person in my part of the specific state other people said like i could probably do this politics thing i will you know like so there's i don't know i mean it, it's just it's really difficult to watch, like when you see all of these things happening just in broad daylight. But, uh, but one thing we've seen is uh, many of the leadership or the leaders on the Democratic sides of things just fear a boat that is rocked too hard yeah. is going to throw everybody off because they are not. I guess there's no belief that some like real meaningful change is actually very could energize many people. Mm -hmm. uh, rather than like the well-funded minority groups uh, like or minority of wealthy people or other stakeholders who just want to, you know, fund messages that are counter to that to kind of obscure the narrative. Right. All right. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be back. And we're back. And... We've talked about how Netflix lost friends or Ugh. is going to lose friends and the office fairly Ugh. soon. Um, really, really So they needed a win. They needed They a needed win. something, yeah. And, and it may have come. Yeah. The answer has come in the form of Seinfeld. Uh, in a way, I think how no one cheered right after that shows that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That makes sense. I mean, it's a good show. People like watching. I remember... When it first went to Hulu, that was a big deal. Right. But then I'm not sure what those numbers are. When you think about the actual, the amount of like man hours people are spending watching Friends in the Office on Netflix, yeah. is it going to make up for it? That I'm seems like a big weight because when it first went to Hulu, Hulu was kind of 
crap. Like, yeah. no one really cared for Hulu. It was a hook for Hulu. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now it's going to Netflix. The weights are changing. Um, yeah. Right. The one thing that I was uh, impressed with is that this will be the first time that all 180 episodes will be on one service globally and in 4K. Now, I don't know if I'd... I'm not sure I need to see Seinfeld in 4K. Uh, uh, you got to see it in its full glory. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I feel like sometimes it's like when things are up like that, I'm a little bit like, mm, this doesn't have to be like that. I was, right. We could have gone. We could have stopped <laughs> it at good. like 720. Yeah. You know, don't need to go that far. But there was a, it's odd that like even the, there wasn't much of a bidding war. Like the way Sony, uh, who was pitching it to other streamers, they were kind of just sort of like, we don't have an asking price, but we just want something like that shows that you treat it in like or view it similarly to a friends or a the office in right. terms of their bids. Sure. So I guess that's like 130 a year. Yeah. 30 million a year. I think with streaming services, it's definitely younger audiences because we're much more quick to cut the cable. Like right. I don't have cable. I have Hulu and Netflix right. and uh YouTube. But YouTube's wh- free. Uh, well, the premium. Oh, okay. I'm not going to pay for those commercials. <laughs> I like you like, no, these are just some cool stuff yeah. on that YouTube, man. <laughs> Dog videos. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One but, of my favorite channels. Yeah. So with Office and Friends, like, those get quoted all day long still, where Seinfeld, I've, like I told you guys, I've never really watched a full episode. Yeah. Were you a fan of Friends and The Office before they became, like, streaming phenomenon? Uh. Definitely Friends. The Office is when it was on, but I think that's just like right. my personal schedule. Yeah. And I, I can turn that on and like still kind of laugh with it and do something else. I feel like I've watched The Office too much where I can, I'll, I'll basically say the words along with the episode. Yeah. And yeah. I'm no longer being entertained. I'm doing some kind of like memory recall exercise of a show that I like. Right. Which yeah. I've had to start distancing myself, wean myself off The Office. In the uh, brief DVD period, like I didn't give a shit about like Friends DVDs, but I did like buy Seinfeld DVDs, like because those well, that, are collectors. Yeah, see, yeah. that was a thing. I think there was this attitude, maybe for us elderly millennials too, right. that like Seinfeld felt like a v- important thing in the '90s. So like when the whole DVD thing was happening, I felt like a lot of the DVDs I bought were, again, it, it wasn't about like watching them; it was about manifesting your tastes on a shelf. Right. And yeah. being like, and that is who I am. Okay. Yeah. City of God, uh, The Office season four. Uh, <laughs> had it, had it. The Professional. Yeah. Uh, and The Rock. Sorry, I'm canceled. <laughs> but, you know, that was kind of the, I think, the attitude. And now that, like, we're in the post DVD world, the things are changing. But Seinfeld's definitely, like, quotable. And they're, like, funny, like, concepts in the show that I could see, like, being memeable and stuff like that. I, I, I do think there's, like, something to the fact that, like, Jerry and George are, like, having sex all the time, and they're, like, these ugly middle-aged oh, guys. Oh, come that, on. Like, you I feel too like, can have sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it, that might jump out to people as to young people as being like, uh, really? Like that's... Yeah, well, yeah. George, especially at times right. you couldn't believe like how, what those moments are like where he was being charming. Right. But, you know, I guess watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, I get Larry David's charm and knowing that that's just supposed to be Larry David. Right. Like not actually seeing full episodes or really knowing 
much of it. There's still stuff I know, like the soup Nazi. And then I think there was an episode where, what's her name? Diane in the show? Um, Elaine. Elaine. See, this Sam is Sam and Diane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think she was trying I mean, to get a Seinfeld Sam. is basically yeah. cheers to younger millennials. Yeah. It might as well be. But uh, she wanted to start a store where it was just selling muffin tops. And yeah. like 12 year old me, like mind fucking blown. That's, yeah. Of oh. course. No one eats the bottoms. Right. And, yeah, muffin tops. Wait, no one. Or do you? Oh, are you that kind of person? Like it resonated where you're like, of course, no one would dare to eat the bottom part. I'd rather not say. Okay, there. yeah, all right. That's uh, and that's your information uh, mm-hmm. to keep to yourself. Yeah, but that's funny. You were saying that like you would watch The Simpsons and then Seinfeld would come on, and that was your cue to leave, like stop watching at the end, like Pretty after much. school. Yeah, like that was so. Seinfeld was essentially your mash. Like that's what mash was to me oh. when I was a kid. Like, oh right, you right. don't like, love mash? No. Oh my god, I love the movie. That's so funny that you like you're like I never seen this and like. But you don't like mash. mash. I love yeah. mash. Like that shit was serious and funny, and I'd totally fuck Hawkeye. Okay. Yeah. How did you get into? You still mash? could. I mean, he's he's still around. around. He yeah. has still a podcast. Um, very funny. Mr. Hawkeye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sir Hawkeye. <laughs> um, my dad was in the military, and my mom thought cutting cable in the summer would make us go outside. Oh hell no. <laughs> no! I watched Bonanza. I watched Mash. I watched all the oldies. Nice. So. Yeah, that that show's great. Try yeah, that. Right. It's funny because in my mind, I would be dozing off to the theme song of Mash <laughs> because it, well, in L.A., it came on after the ten o'clock news a lot yeah. of times on Fox Eleven. Oh. Okay, shout out to John Beard, um, the who name also of the was Mash frequently in Arrested Development. I think I fucked up on Arrested Development. Uh, Tobias is the never nude, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Because I the you're talking about is... uh, Buster. Yeah, yeah. Buster. That's okay. Yeah. Well, no, we're right. Okay. The theme song to MASH uh, is Suicide is Painless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a mm. fucking, that's dark, man. I think you can actually go on a hike here in L.A. and they still have like some of the prop stuff up. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Me and my roommate keep talking about doing it, but it's like pretty far north towards like Malibu and everything. Right, right. But they still have like where the helicopter takes off in the very last episode and... I really want to do it just because that out of anything seems really cool to me. So what New Zealand is to Lord of the Rings fans, the Santa Monica Mountains. <laughs> yes. As long as it's not on fire, I'm totally yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, it's, season, the season is upon us. So That is funny that that was shot in the Santa Monica Mountains because it was supposed to be about Vietnam, but it was actually set during the Korean War because you couldn't say something about Vietnam. Uh, but... It definitely looks like neither of those countries really. It's like dry shrubbery and shit. Like totally Southern California. Uh, Well, shit. We'll we'll see. You think it'll be a hit? You think it'll be a office friends level hit? No. No. I don't think because Seinfeld's time has come and gone in a way. And I don't think you're going to, there's going to be a revival. Right. You know what I mean? I think the revival Seinfeld had was on DVD. Like it went off the air. And then people like sat on a little bit. The DVDs came up. They're like, oh, shit, I can get the fucking puffy shirt deluxe edition box set right. or whatever. Yeah. And then it died off and then came back on Hulu. Some people were like, cool. Yeah. But then it's these other shows. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what the watch times. I'm sure Netflix will either share or not share how intense right. the watch I'm times are. I'm just talking are, more but- about like the memeing and like the fact that The Office became like the comedy show that was like part of... 
Right. Well, I guess the difference is like with The Office, especially like a lot of people who make content or even younger people who are from the the meme era, they were like coming, they were watching The Office. Right. So that's already sort of hardwired into their sort of sensibility that right. that happened. Like where Seinfeld, like you would probably have to be in your 30s, 40s to be like, yo, if I, fuck with, I fuck with Seinfeld heavy. Right. And then at that point, are there enough people? I don't know. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. Maybe it'll be like the Gen Z, the office, where like even younger people will be super into it. Or maybe but they'll like, be into MASH. Well, right. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. My kids will be. <laughs> Bring it back, kids. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think the two ladies uh, from the office, Jenna Fisher and the lady. Angela Kinsey. Yeah, they just started yeah. a podcast. So people yeah. are still really into this shit. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. I yeah. don't. Well, I guess Jerry Seinfeld's doing comic and cars getting coffee, yeah. but... Um, that's, that's why a lot of people thought... That's one of the reasons why I went to Netflix, too, because he was already doing business with yeah. them. Yeah. That was a $100 million deal. He has not... Oh, uh, wait, the For sign... comedians and cars fucking... $100 million? Wasting your fucking time. Holy yes. shit. It doesn't even million. look like that good show coffee. That sucks. Uh, sorry. Oh, or come the on. The episode I've seen of that show sucks. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about uh, Google and a former Google employee named Laura Nolan. Yeah. Uh, who was an engineer who worked on Project Maven. Yeah. Which is their joint venture with the Pentagon. Basically, she's saying autonomous weapons are going to. Could bring about terrible, disastrous consequences. Have for some people. unintended. Yeah. Yeah. She was like briefing fucking UN diplomats. That diplomats. In like Geneva, New York, kind of saying because uh, you know Project Maven was a thing like over three thousand Google employees signed on to to be like, yo, knock this fucking shit off. We want nothing to do with like the work we're doing on like you know machine learning to be helping killing robots identify humans better. Like that's out. so they let that Damn. they let that deal you know uh, collapse or whatever. They didn't renew it or whatever, so they're no longer involved. But she's been really out there campaigning by saying like. This is going like just from our standpoint, there's a lot of things that could go wrong when you have a ton of, you know, uh, basically killer robots on autopilot just flying around. Right. That's terrifying. This is actually the first that I'm hearing of it. And in my mind, I just keep thinking back like the first law of robotics was do no harm to humans. Or yeah. is that computer robotic? Yeah, robotics? I think it was the robotics. Yeah. Um, But that's terrifying i mean i wonder what isaac asimov would say if he did see this he'd be like what the fuck are you, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck are you guys doing yeah right like i don't think i think his vision of the future was like well they wouldn't be so stupid as to do something like this right like just create hunter killer drones because the thing she's also pointing out she's like look yes obviously like the target recognition thing is going to get more and more sophisticated by dis discerning between like someone maybe holding a gun or versus a you know a box or an inanimate object but context is still a huge piece that's missing from these things right so she she cites an example she says quote you could have a scenario where autonomous weapons that have been sent out to do a job confront unexpected radar signals in an area they are searching. There could be weather that was not factored into its software, or they come across a group of armed men who appear to be insurgent enemies but are in fact out with guns hunting for food. The machine doesn't have uh, the discernment or common sense that the human touch has. Because right now, drones are operated by crews, like human beings, and you know that are using some of this AI to help them, but it's not the decision-making is still falling to like a human operator. 
And they're saying that the other scary thing about these autonomous war systems is that you can only really test them by deploying them in the re in a real combat zone. And she speculates, quote, maybe that's happening with the Russians at present in Syria. Who knows? It's going to get to be like where Amazon delivers your package via drone and then makes a hit on its way back. Right. Yeah. Just it's, just to get the most out of yeah, it. Yeah. Really utilize the technology for the benefit of bad people. Here's a new docking <laughs> station for your womanizer. I also yes. have to go put down Thank an God. uprising in a city. Uh, and when you look also, though, at the other weapons that are already being developed by like just the U.S. Russia, they're already on this wave, like into it. Yeah. There's a the AN2 Anaconda gunboat, which is the U.S. Navy's completely autonomous warcraft equipped with artificial intelligence capability. What basically is going to do, quote, loiter in an area for long periods of time without human intervention. So it's like a sentry boat. That it's will like just hovering like, in the air. No, 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 no. Oh, it's, it's a gunboat. It's a boat. boat, but like it's just sort of being like. It's on autopilot. It'll blast out whatever the fuck it has to. It's just to. off in the distance. Just waiting for right. Yeah, waiting for you to fuck up. Russia has that a tank. doesn't sound unnerving Russia at all. Russia has a tank that is unmanned and autonomous. Right. Um, yeah. There's I mean, another one. Just the reason that uh, she speculated that maybe Russia is already deploying these in Syria is that uh, at the UN, they opposed any treaty, uh, let alone ban on these types of weapons. So, right. Yeah. They're probably already out there killing people with these. Yeah, we're also, God, how many fucking existential threats are, do we have to fucking face right now? It's like fucking global warming. Now we're like, uh, the war toys might fucking kill us all too. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like there were. There's fucking white claw shortages. <laughs> it's not that good. We're fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm personally already terrified of my Roomba. Like, right. that shit sucks up shoelaces left and right. I just, I can't. Oh, like with you, with your shoe, like you have your shoelace untied and you're like, oh, fuck. My room yeah, it me. just yeah. eats it and goes on its way. Now just put a gun on it, you know? Yeah. It, yes. You and my mm -hmm. three-year-old both they, uh, can't stand the Roomba. There's something that's inherently evil. Inherently terrifying about it. That, Wait, for real? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't trust it? Oh, not at all. Can't trust it. Yeah. Uh, and... Anytime it's on, he like doesn't want to be around. And when I'm telling him like, "Oh, you don't have to worry, it's fine." Like, it's my friend. I friend. only like half believe it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> he maybe, can even tell. Maybe like I just have too many like uh, my like sense of what's normal is so calcified that I'm not terrified of this, and I should be. Like, right. th this robot that roams my house. It knows the dimensions of your house. Yeah. It, no. Cannot be trusted. And then is that sent to some kind of Skynet? I don't know. It can't actually. Be. I mean, because you imagine, because then you'd essentially have mapped out the interiors of like people's homes. Yeah. For well, the gunboats. That gun should boats. already be public record with blueprints, right? Oh, God, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when does it stop? <laughs> Kim, it's been a pleasure having you on it the dailies. Very guess. fun. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you, follow you? Let's remind them. Support you? Yes. Um, well, uh, to restate, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, the double underscore red dot. And recently, I made the very bold and courageous step to say, I want to try to do my comic full time. So, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, push that, your boat out there. Yeah. My atomic. Oh, your autonomous, <laughs> autonomous gun sea warfare yeah. boat. Womanizer boat. The womanizer <laughs> 9000. Yeah, so if you want to support that project, um, follow me on Patreon. I draw my nudes there, so there is benefits. Right, great. Yeah. And I think also, too, uh, just if you've never read her comic, 
you're going to love it. Yes. Yeah, so go fun. check it out. It's amazing. Right now. Thank uh, you. It's poignant. It oftentimes nudges up against the things we talk about. I remember, I think somebody sent me the pineapple pizza topping one when we had a yeah. furious debate about pineapple pizza. Not to mention, I see your work on Reddit a lot, too. Um, and the good parts. You're just making typically. me feel all happy. Thank Aww. you. Well, shit. I mean, I feel like at least to people who might be uh, like internet humor literate, they've mm-hmm. probably might even without knowing maybe the title of your work have. I would wager they've they're familiar with your work. That's the coolest shit since I've started it because I follow tons of online artists already, but getting to interact with them and them say like, "Oh, I saw this comic of yours. I love it." I'm like, "Oh my god, I've loved you since tenth grade." Right, you know? right, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's been the really neat part. Well, and again, please, I yeah, I think it's always important to you know support artists out there, and I think it's great that you want to you know take it to the next level. Yeah, and Main then, Street. And then we'll be like asking you for, you know, like to draw us. Although that's how it all started. I remember when you drew Jack. With nipples. Right. Nipples. (laughs) Way by my shoulders. High ass nipples. Shipples. It's high art. Yes. Yes. High art. (laughs) High nipples. Uh, Is there a tweet or other act of social media you've been enjoying? Uh, Yes. I actually have a tweet from a fellow comic artist on Twitter that had me in stitches. it's from at Tiny Snick uh, Comics, and it goes, Warn, I touched the damn bill. Or, excuse me, let me start this over. Bernie, I wrote the damn bill. Pete, I smelled the damn bill. Booker, I saw the damn bill. Warren, I touched the damn bill. Biden, I played my record player to the damn bill. <laughs> Beto, I wrote the fuck bill. <laughs> what the fuck bill? What the fuck bill, bro? And there, there's more, but it's just on point from last week's debate. Oh. Mm-hmm. Put your record players on. Yeah. So your babies hear words. What was the question about? Slavery? <laughs> uh, Miles, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Um, there's a few tweets that I like. Uh, one is from Molly Lambert, who was just retweeting another tweet. Um, she just said, this is the funniest thing to me. And it was from another person who tweeted from Tash Dodick. Um, in memoriam, Joe Keery's immaculate hair. Now, Joe Keery is the dude who plays Steve on Stranger Things. And if you remember, he has a head of hair on him. Mm-hmm. But this this evolution <gasps> no! of hair is a, a fucking crime. Wait, what is he from? Stranger Things. Oh, he shit. He has like that huge mane of oh, hair. Oh, my bad. Oh, shit. It blew it up. Yeah, so there's original. Oh, yeah. And then now he's rocking no. like a fucking weird Noel Gallagher bowl cut. Did he have like, a bad breakup? Like, I don't know, man. That hair was for a man who is follically challenged, bruh. Uh, you, I should fight. You. I should fuck you up. Oh man, like I know the pain because I just chopped six inches of hair off because it's so much to maintain and it felt heavy. Mm-hmm. But at least I think my hair looks good. That just oh man. No, this is a f- terrible decision. Yeah, that's, terrible. That's decision. a problem, man. That's a fucking. I mean, look, we can talk about crimes against humanity. <laughs> there we go. This one right there. Another one is from Evo Driscoll at No Money No Honey mm. with use, so not H O or M O. Um, it says a lunchable is a charcuterie if you're not a fucking classist. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, Daniel Kibblesmith tweeted, "You're killing me, Smalls." Please, Smalls, I'm your friend. Stop. <laughs> You're not a murderer. Oh, God, Smalls. Oh, God, Smalls, I don't want to die. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. 
You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what's that going to be today? This is a track from, I don't, I'm not familiar with this artist. I was just hearing it and it, I got nostalgic because it kind of reminded me like drum and bass jungle, but like with kind of trappy music and a uh, very 90s EDM uh, vocalist on it. Uh, and this is from Angelica Best and it's called Sail to the Sun. Mm. Um, and nice. yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, 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 it got me nostalgic. It made me feel like I was listening to like uh, electronic music from like the mid 90s, but updated. Oh. So early 90s rather. I want to misspeak for any EDM historians out there. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for today. We will be back tomorrow because it is a daily podcast, and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Yeah.